Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Hey, Tom, ready for a great show? It's Monday in New York. It's playoff time, and uh, it's the best time of the year. Yes, it is. I love playoff time. That is so much fun. You know, the grind of the regular season ends, and all of a sudden now it's playoff time. Especially if you get going on a roll where now the weather gets nicer, and then you're, you're not as much practice, just playing games, really feeling good about yourself. That's fun. It is a fun time, yeah. You get you get you do a lot of events at the Garden during the playoffs. You get swept yes. up at Old Mania, the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the Rangers really do a fantastic job of entertaining the fans. They have that fan zone down the city near the Garden. We do that a lot. Uh, as they go farther and the weather gets nicer, we're out in Central Park watching the games. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff. Uh, the fans get really get into it. Uh, I was at a uh, friend's uh, uh, lacrosse game on Saturday. Uh, Ranger fans had their jerseys on at the lacrosse game and everything. So, I mean, it's the best time of the year, it's, yeah. especially when the Rangers are going well. Yeah, definitely. Let's just do a quick, we'll go through what's happening in the playoffs right now. Okay. And uh, then we'll end with the Rangers and Devils. But Colorado, they lost the first game. They're up 2-1 on Seattle. It's pretty much what you expected, right? Yeah. And I, I like Colorado. Again, they, without Landis Gog, and obviously don't have Kadri, who was a big player for him last season. He moved on to Calgary. So they're not the team they were last year. But, man, that team with Nathan McKinnon and Makar on the team, I think they upgraded their goaltending with uh, Georgiev. So I, I still like them. But, again, they're not quite the same team because of those right. players they lost. But they should win the series against Seattle. Seattle's been very scrappy. But, yeah, I, I figured Colorado will probably take that. Um Vegas is up two one on Winnipeg. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big Vegas fan, largely because of that Jack Eichel. But they do have a lot of other pieces there. I like I like Stone a lot, the big defenseman pitcher Angelo. So they they should beat Winnipeg. Uh, but Winnipeg's a scrappy team as well. They're, they're a hard team, especially to play in their own building. That's quite a building. But your buddy Jack Eichel had a big game the other day. Too. Nah, nice. he's leading the way now. He's a uh, culture killer. Culture killer, we call him. All right. Well, Dallas, Minnesota, great series. I've seen a bunch of that tied up two two. Just a great series. Yeah, Minnesota's pounding them, too. They get a hard team. They play hard. I think a lot of people really discounted them. They had to, you know, trouble with the cap. They had to lose Parisi and Suter. Uh, but they play hard. So, yeah, so there was a controversial call uh, last night on Polino. They led to a power play goal. They weren't, uh, Minnesota was not happy. But a uh, great series, too, too. And another great series is the uh, Edmonton-LA series, which is yeah. Well, I mean, I think to me it's going to be Edmonton and the Rangers ultimately in the finals. But Edmonton is getting all they can get from, or getting all they can take uh, from LA. LA's got that good young scrappy team. They've got some veteran players there still, so that's yeah. good hockey. I like that. Well, like when you were out there with the Kings and playing the, the mighty Oilers, yeah. Um, yeah. Toronto's up two on Tampa. You know how crazy people are in Toronto as a as a guy from uh, Brantford. Brampton. Yeah, Brampton. There you go. 
Uh, you know, I just I don't like the Toronto makeup. Uh, you know, listen, if they win, I you know more, I I'd love to see them win. They haven't won the first round in a long time. I just I don't think their goaltending is good enough. I think Tampa still so Tampa's lost a lot of players from their cup winning teams, but they still are the Tampa Bay Lightning. They have won cups before, so they know how to do it. Uh, I, I'm still going to pick Tampa. I just I, again I don't like Toronto's goaltending. I think at some point it's really going to let them down. And Boston is taking a commanding lead on Florida, 3-1, expected. Yeah, I think Florida came out early and really pounded Boston. Uh, I, I don't know, is, is what's his name, Petrie Spurs, is he back playing? I don't think he is yet. Um, I, can't, I can't remember, but he's uh, a, huge, a huge part of that team. So if they win without him in the lineup, that's big for them. They rest him up a little bit and get him back in the lineup. But I, Boston's the real deal. You know, I, I think everybody's yeah. they're really going to be able to do what they did during the regular season, and so far they have done that. So far they're doing it. Um, yeah, and of course, then we get to the... The big one, the Battle of the Hudson, the Rangers-Devils. When we first did our first play show, it was a great night for the Rangers. They won 5-1. They matched it. But then they lost the third game at home. Yeah. Well, first of all, I was surprised. I, I, the first game, they say, okay, the uh, the Devils players were overwhelmed, all the young players. Now they come back and the Rangers win again 5-1. to I probably played better, more of a dominating game. I was really surprised by that, pleasantly surprised. Uh, but then, you know, coming back, I think, you know, with the young players playing at home, sometimes you try to do too much in front of your home fans, right? Especially when you're young players. Just yeah. do your job when you're playing. And I think that was much more the case for the Devils uh, in New York. Uh, so, great hockey. And this series is far from over. I mean, again, I've, I've coughed with the Rangers, largely because of the offense they've got and the Shesterk and the net. But, again, the Devils are a good young hockey team. What they did really well, I thought, early in the game against the Devils was really go after Hughes and hit him as much as possible. Uh, he got going a little bit more later on, but they've got to continue that and play the body. Devils made the goaltending change too, which was uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It all, yeah, definitely. What are the Islanders? Uh, Islanders are in trouble. They're down. Yeah. yeah, they had a big. They won the home game, first playoff home game, but now they they're up against it right now. Yeah, they just Horvat. I thought Horvat's comments after the game were really interesting. He took the onus on himself. So listen, I've got to score bigger goals at a bigger time. I can't score a goal late in a five nothing game. Uh, yeah, it's just the same old thing with the Islanders. They can't score goals. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that series is pretty much over. All right. Then that's, uh, well, you know, well, next time we check in, we'll see where the Rangers and Pat and the rest of the, the teams are. But, yeah, it's, it's been a great playoff so far. It's only going to get better. My prediction should be 100%, uh, just so you, you know, too. Like, usually, I'll, we'll, yeah. check, we'll check that to make yeah, sure. totally. Check the tape. All right, we, we've got some listener feedback. All right, I like this. Can you talk about how great I am? Well, everyone does. Everyone does. Okay. Well, uh, Nate Brown from Minnesota, he said that he, uh, he wants more goalies on the show. Oh. And he wants less cooking talk because apparently we were talking about recipes at uh, at the live event. Oh, we're here. <laughs> so what, what is, I'm an expert chef. I have to talk about my cooking. What is wrong with Self-appointed expert chef. Though. Yeah. I made black bean burgers yesterday for the Sunday cooking show. See, there you go. So spread that around. Maybe you should yes. you know, black take, take that, Nate. All right, uh, Marcus Fajardo in Spain. I think he's pumping up our our, our uh, numbers. The, you can't get our numbers up in Spain. That's right. We were number one. Well, Marcus, who's a hockey player himself and a damn good one, he loves uh, the Ranger content and wants us to get Darren Turk out on the show. So we got to work on Okay. Very good. Yeah, Darren Turk. It'd be good. It'd be good. All right. Then uh, we have another one. We have Brian Kaplan, who's a lawyer in New York City, who actually I, I know is a friend of mine. He okay. said, he said this show feels like, like the Howard Stern show. He feels like he's in the room with us. Oh. And he feels like... I, he knows us, and I said, "Well, you do know me." <laughs> you know, you know what? We've talked about this privately too. I, we're getting better at it too. I think you know, having a feel for the show more. You know, when to you know dump it up. So, you know, some of the guys that get great stories, they may not always be good talkers, right? They're good storytellers. Some of the guys you've had on, like uh, Mick Fakoda, was He's a fantastic great. story. He really he surprised me. He was a great storyteller. Yeah, Patrick was great too. He was yeah. awesome. 
Those people love to hear about him do his crossovers on his knees. <laughs> that was one of the funniest things that he tells the story fantastic too. Like he'd make fun of himself, but if people had seen, it was a practice we had, and the coaches wanted him to skate to the blue line, drop down on his knees, and then get up and do crossovers across the blue line. He uh, didn't realize the getting up part, so he tried to do crossovers on his knees. And uh, Rob Gresham, myself, and Barry Beckman in the corner just cried laughing. And then when James tells the story, he's fantastic to tell it too. He really tells it. It's a good story. And people should go back and listen to that episode. It was uh, yeah. in. It's a great one. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, that's some of our our, li our listener feedback. They seem pretty split on. They love the Rangers stuff, but they also like hearing guys from the other teams too. So it's yeah. kind of yeah. a mix of the way it's going. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you this: Do you do you ever like now that it's legal? Do you ever gamble? Do you ever bet on games? Do you ever no. Have... I've never. You know what? I I never have enjoyed gambling. In fact, I think the the players taught me a lesson early my rookie year. Uh, we went out and had a few cocktails in Rye. Then I went back to John Davidson's house and I played. I wanted to fit in with the guys, so I played poker with John Davidson and Eddie Johnstone. They they took me for about two hundred fifty dollars, which was big money back then. Yeah. And I, I got up in the morning and said, "That because I didn't know how to play poker. I just wanted to hang out with the guys, and they were poker experts. So no. yeah, you stay out of that. But I, I don't. I don't gamble. Uh, I don't bet. But now it's legal. People yeah. have profits. So I, yeah, it was my brother in South Carolina. My brother Damien on Monday had a he bet an eight leg parlay. He bet oh. six dollars. And he, so basically, he took four games and four players to score. Right. He went seven out of eight. Oh, and wow. missed. He he had Florida to to lose the game to Boston, and then he flipped at the end to have them win. Oh. And, and the payout on the on an eight leg parlay at fifty dollars was one hundred and six thousand dollars. Oh wow! Just because of that one flip. One, did, one flip. So did he get anything for getting seven out of eight? Negative fifty. Oh. Yeah, he, he missed out on a huge. I was listening to uh, Boomer at Geo in the morning there on CBS Sports, and they were got into the talk about betting. And I guess in the NFL, uh, you can't bet, even though it's legal, you can't bet inside the team facilities on any sport, even though you're allowed to outside, but you can't do it. That's a rule of the NFL. Has, I, guess, I guess the players got suspended doing that. But then you text someone and say, hey, put this in for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Did, were guys betting when you were playing? Were people. A little bit. It wasn't a big thing, but I did hear a lot of stories when guys started to make more money, like guys like Yarmar Yager. Like he'd oh. bring a bag of cash, like bring a bag of like 50 grand on the road because he had to pay off a bookie or something like that. Like the, the famous one most recently is uh, Vander Kane uh, when he was playing in, uh, where was he? playing San Jose, right? When he did all, supposedly did all the betting. Yeah. It's yeah. just crazy to think. I mean, I, I get the thrill of it, but it's just nuts to think of. Wow. Well, it's an, it can be an addiction too, obviously, right? Like, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Craig Carton that's on the radio. I've got pretty good friends with him, and he got in a lot of trouble. Spent like three years in jail and uh, a lot of stuff. He just got hooked on it so bad he just couldn't control it. So, However, some of these prop bets, especially in the playoffs, are kind of fun to look yeah. at. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just uh, I don't think I, I have the, the guts to, to get involved. I know. I know. Yeah. I think, yeah, he's kind of scary, right? They just start doing it. And can you control yourself? I, I'm assuming you can. It's a lot of people do, but um, tough to do. What if anybody would bet for me, like to score a winning goal or something like that? Well, the odds got to be amazing. That's what you did it. You scored twenty four times. How many game winning goals did you have? I don't know. <laughs> I will it, was, it was twenty five. Okay, it's twenty five. Oh, sorry, twenty five. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah. off by one. You're up by one. Right. Don't cheat me on that one. How many playoff goals? I think I got. I think I did pretty well. Like, I think on a per game basis, I think more in the playoffs than I did in the regular season, which didn't mean a lot, but now it's more. So, bunch of goals though, big time, big time, Tommy. I. <laughs> I scored one goal one time in Edmonton, and it was a beautiful goal. He went up over the, the goalie's shoulder, you know, on the short side. But I had no clue how I did that. I watched the bounce. Yeah, I was just getting rid of it. I wanted to get it off my stick. Oh, your... That's something that, you know, I learned that from a lot of good goal scorers. They don't necessarily pick a corner all the time. They just they just want to get it to a certain side of the net. Uh, 
you know, stuff happens. But, but they, but that's their goal scorers, though. You're, yeah, you know. I know. And I tell you, I had a, a one breakaway in the NHL. Came out of the penalty box. Somebody left it up to the film. I, yeah, I came out of the penalty box. Had a breakaway. One time, one of the listeners went and found it. I think it was a game against Pittsburgh at the Garden. Went down to the breakaway. I didn't want to miss the net, so I shot it right into his chest. <laughs> The guys, go, I come back to the bench. They go, nice warm-up shot, Tom. That was good. Very warm-up goalie. We got a great guest coming up. People can love. And um, people who are enjoying our show, I hope they, they can like, subscribe. And if they want to, leave us a review. That helps us on Apple uh, Podcasts. And, yeah, we'll keep providing this great content for everybody. Definitely get more Darren Turk on, on some goaltenders. Not goals. So goaltenders, you can't get them to stop talking. Like, you get Glenn Healy on, it'd be like a five-hour show. Oh, we've got, we've got Glenn. We've had, uh, we've had Clint Malarchuk. We have Corey Kelly Rudy. So Kelly Rudy's coming. Yeah. Good one. That was a good story. He, I tell you, he really opened up about his own uh, mental health issues. And that was really, you could tell he wanted to do it because he knew he was going to help other people. So that was very cool. Yeah. And our list, I should know, we have a lot of great episodes coming. We've taped quite a bunch of these. So uh, people are going to really be excited by who we have on this on this show coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Some good guys. Some really compelling stories, too. Right? We've talked about it before where of the 40 some shows we've done, four of the guys have attempted suicide and are very open in discussing it. And have really like turned their lives around or helping other yes. people now too. So that's the beautiful part is that they have been very down, but they're they've recovered and they're you know in a yeah. good spot now. And it's you know, yeah. turned, which is awesome. Definitely, yeah. Tom gets to see how messed up we are. old old hockey players are. Yeah, and you guys all are, but so are we all, right? We're all you. <laughs> it is funny because Tom and I've become pretty good friends here, and uh, between shows we sit around and talk about stuff, and I tell him stories, and he looks at me sometimes. He goes, "You know, you're a mess, right?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a good way. And yes, I know. I know. It's funny. But actually, my friend here has helped me a lot and stuff that I've really had to wake up and uh, learn to. I'm going to talk about mental health a lot. People reaching out and getting health. And I realized, man, let me go look in the mirror, Tom. That's another show. We all need to do that. Yeah. You know, and you know, uh, since I've done it too, uh, it's really a lot of people reached out to me like they're really happy. I did a show, a podcast yesterday out of Toronto with two young guys called the, uh, so I can't remember what it's called. I'll, I'll get the name for you, but it was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, they, this one guy had, had lost 70 pounds and, and it wasn't just because of me, but it was like he's taught Tom had been a real inspiration because you opened up and talked about your issues. Now everybody else feels more comfortable talking about their issues. That's great. Once you do that, yeah, especially you as a you know former professional uh, hockey player, survivor, um, guest. That's right. I was on Survivor, if you know that you, or not. You were, you were a guest. You did a guest spot. It was a good one. Um, <laughs> you have that notoriety and that helps. And you say, hey, look, I'm flawed. So, you know, I... That is the, that is the thing, right? Realizing that just when you first get to the realization that you're flawed, like we were joking before, I I, I lived this whole life where I just was, felt like was perfect. And I'm not trying to say it's an egotistical way; it's more of a bad way. You know, we lived the life where all the time we were being told how great we are as athletes. So you start to believe it after a while, and then you realize, mm, yeah, I'm just a regular dude with yeah. athletic talent, and you're a nice. You know, obviously, you look in the mirror, you like what you see because you do it a lot. <laughs> it's important to look in the mirror like what you see just don't look too off you gotta get back to work with it's looking in the actual mirror or looking at your grades in school or looking how your marriage is doing it's important to look at the things you're doing in your life and say this and i'm working hard at it and things are going good yes yeah. yeah. it's self-assessment it's always important yeah. to get with yourself and see where you're at see that's a good word there's self-assessment the two words and that was good that we did that i like, that was intelligent yeah check in with yourself check in with your friends check in with people make sure everyone's okay in your life and you know enjoy this next guest Yes, that's right, too. This will be a good show. Very interesting guy coming up here. Hello, Tom. Yes, sir. How are you, Tom? I'm doing well. Thank you, Tom. We have a fascinating guest today. Now, as you know, I didn't play in the NHL, but I was a fan of the NHL, especially as a kid. Right. And when I was eight or nine, I was convinced that I was Swedish because the Rangers had imported two Swedish players. 
Anders Hedberg, and today's guest, Ulf Nielsen. Ulf Nielsen. What's happening, brother? How are you? I'm doing great. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yeah, I was, uh, I was a rookie. How many? I was came in in 80, 81. And yeah. uh, how many years had you been in New York when, when I came in? Yeah, I came in 78, 79. Okay. And uh, yeah, it was a, the rough time for me, really, because it was hard to play in Winnipeg for four years when we got hacked. And oh. it was like yeah, bands brawling every game. Oh, was it was it that bad? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. It was well, really bad. I remember coming in because Ophi's like a true gentleman, you know, classy guy. Here I come in with the cowboy hat, the cowboy boots, and he's he's looking at me like, what? Who are you? <laughs> Seriously, it wasn't a bad way. You were right. I mean, I was like, you're here in New York City, dressed up properly, I mean, and I've got the cowboy hat on. Like to get like to get into your mind what you're really thinking about when I came in. So. All right, so well, let's get out of here. I want to know more about your uh, growing up playing hockey. Where did you grow up? What city in, in Sweden? Yeah, just south of Stockholm uh, called Nynäshamn. Okay. It was a, a small city of only 10,000 people at the time. Maybe now it's doubled, but uh, it's an hour, 45 minutes by car south okay. of Stockholm. Sure. And were you like a hockey player right away, like six years old, put the skates on, and you were great? Well, in, in Sweden in those days, most of the kids played soccer in the summertime and hockey, or they call it bandy with a curved stick and on ice. And it's 11 against 11. It's on a soccer field and it's kind of a fun game too. It's a fat. So, so there's no real hockey the way we know it. Oh yeah. We played oh, hockey. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was actually recruited to AIK in Stockholm when I was 17 years old as a soccer player. Oh, because my father played the the clubs in Sweden. They had yeah, well, soccer and hockey and all all kinds of other sports as well. So my father played there for ten years soccer for AIK in Stockholm. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, but unfortunately, he passed away when I was thirteen, and my oh. sister was nine. He died of a heart attack yeah, at forty three. Wow. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. So that so you played hockey a lot, just the youth hockey, the same way they do over here. Yeah, yeah. And they have a, a big tournament for fifteen and sixteen years old. It's called the TV puck, huh? and it's um, it's like uh, each state or the big cities have their own team. And I played for Stockholm then, and I played on the same line as Rolf Edberg that played in Washington for a while. Oh, okay. He and I were line mates uh, when, wow. when we were 16. Wow. So that's comparable to the junior hockey that they play over here or college hockey, right? Well, then you, you played like uh, in in your club team, but this was like an all-star and a team. Yeah. And uh, I and I was recruited then as a soccer player when I was 17. Right. And it was one guy in AIK that, played both soccer and hockey and I was trying to do that but then I I felt hockey was you know much better for my temperament I think and uh, oh. and the coach in, in the AIK soccer team he wasn't really keen about me and they didn't let me play that much but I played with the, the second team then and then they asked me if I wanted to play hockey and they had two uh, 
older guys that played for the Swedish national team, the goaltender, was uh, one of the best. And he was voted the, uh, the best goaltender in a couple of the World Cups. And, and uh, they had a defenseman also. And the coach said, it's great, Ulfi, that you work hard in practice. But it's, it's like music for a 17-year-old to hear the coach say those things. And right. then this decision for me didn't, wasn't that difficult. Sure, sure. Now, were you always a big goal scorer? Well, um, as a forward, yeah, you you hope that you can be more of an assist than a, and a goal scorer. Right. So, in in Winnipeg, it, it turned out that I was more of a a playmaker. Right, playing with Anderson on the right side and Bobby Hall on the left side. Not a bad line. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Bobby Hall. We'll talk about it later. But when he came to training camp my second year, that was unbelievable. We but we'll we'll talk we'll touch on that later on. Um, so then you're playing at this club team. At what point then do you turn pro? When I was 24. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. First the, couple of years, I was picked to play for the Swedish uh, junior national team. In, huh. in those days, it wasn't world juniors like it is today. It's a big tournament for uh, under 20, I guess it is nowadays. Yeah. But we, we played the European championship it was against the russians against the czechs and against the Finns, and so you know, it was a couple of other uh, countries as well so when i played with burry solming for two years oh did you really wow. national team wow and anders was on that team as well wow but we were never line mates on the junior national team was that lars eric schoberg was was he on that team yeah well he was a little older Oh, okay. He played for the the top national team, right? And and I got picked um, to play my first World Cup or World Championship. It was called in the in those days. That was in Moscow, nineteen seventy three. Wow! And it was a great experience because the Russians in those days they were so scientific professionals. Sure. Like, so it was. No competition. Everybody played for silver or bronze. Like, oh, gold right. was the Russians that right. every year. Yeah, we learned we that. Not... We we learned that in Canada in 1972. We thought we were going to kick their butts there, but they <laughs> yeah. were pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And in those days, uh, in Sweden, the top league wasn't professional, so everybody went to school or and they had a job. We right. practiced at six. Yeah, o'clock uh, usually three times a week. Right. And played the two games, Thursday and Sunday games. So it wasn't like like in North America, you play a schedule of 70 or 80 games, and then you have playoffs. We played maybe uh, around 30 games a year. Right. So it's a big difference. So, so Wolf, how do you go from playing in Sweden to getting recruited to WHA? Well, it was Tommy Bergman went to Detroit 1972. That was sort of the first wave. And then Barry Solming and Hammerstrom went to Toronto 73. And then it was talk who is going to be pros after the World Cup uh, in Moscow 73. So it was about Schuberg, myself, Anders was the three guys that 
and they were everybody was talking about well the turn pro. Now were you, dra- were you drafted Ophi or did you just build your thing? Drafted. And so in those days the the NHL teams just send in a fax to the NHL office. I will protect the rights for Wolfie no. Nilsson or Anders Herberg and Boss Eric. So I belong to uh, Buffalo. Oh, wow. So 74, if I would have turned pro to the NHL, I would have had to go to Buffalo. And they had a pretty good team. Sure. Yeah, Perot and uh, those guys. That's uh, right, yeah. Now, did they come and talk to you before they selected you? No. no? I, I, I guess they were scouting uh, the world championship in Moscow, 73. And then they said, well, we like this guy, but he never talked to me or anything like that. So, right. And Anders belonged to Toronto. Huh? And the- Lars Egg Schuberg uh, belonged to Minneapolis or Minnesota. Right. So then we were discussing... Uh, because Bobby Hulse uh, was part of starting the WHA in 72. Mm-hmm. And it was a doctor in, he was a team doctor in Winnipeg when they started off. But he was on a sabbatical in Sweden. So he had his uh, family over in Sweden. And they played the yeah, peewee or bantam hockey uh, in Sweden, his kids. And Kerry Wilson was one of his sons. That oh, thing. bro. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and Jerry said to Winnipeg, well, they, these three guys, Schubert, uh, Nielsen, and Hedberg, you should take them to Winnipeg. And Bobby was really tired. He had sort of carried the, the league for two years on his shoulders. Like yeah. it, was, it was very hard. And so uh, they uh, asked us because we, we thought it was going to be so much easier if we move to a new country, that we could have some impact on the style we're going to play. Sure, sure. So that was one of the best decisions that I've ever made in my whole life. But my wife disagreed with me. <laughs> yeah, Winnipeg in the winter isn't that too... Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's true. That is not, nice first year, though. You, you put up 94 assists that first year playing with Bobby Hall. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was really... It was really fantastic. The first time we went out on the ice, we were just in sweats and, and skated with the University of Manitoba uh-huh. uh, team. And Bobby was ready to go and play uh, 74. They played the Russians. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and it was amazing. And Bobby said, Jesus, this is going to be a fantastic season. So he's been telling a lot of people that we gave him four extra years on his career. Right. Because he was already 35 when we came over. And I had to stop playing when I was 32. Didn't have anything left in my body. I know, yeah. So you played for four years there in Winnipeg. Yeah. Did yeah. You, you guys win, was it the Avco Cup? Is that the championship Avco trophy? Cup, yeah. Did you win that? Yeah, we won it the second year. Right. And we won it the fourth year. Oh, okay. And the third year we lost seventh game in the final against Quebec Nordiques. Oh, wow. And they had a really good team with uh, Mark Tardif, oh. J.C. Tromley, Rishan Hull, quite a lot of good players. So how were you treated at WHA? Was it first class, like flying first class hotels? Not- <laughs> it was, it, we were flying like the NHL teams more. It was uh, not charter flights in those days. Yeah, yeah. But um, 
and and the salaries were okay. I think for 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 those days, like yeah, right. And um, so, uh, but it, we saw a lot of Chicago airport and Minneapolis airport oh, yeah. because we played in cities like yeah, San Diego, Houston, right. Phoenix. So it was a great place to go to when. Well, it was 20 below in Winnipeg. So the meantime, you're leaving your wife back in Winnipeg and you're flying to Houston. Yeah. That, that's a strong marriage right there if you stay married through all that. Yeah, but we got divorced. Oh. <laughs> in 1996. Oh, okay. So she survived through Winnipeg, but she couldn't survive you. Is that what it was? No. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's okay. So four years in Winnipeg. How do you get to New York Rangers then? You're a free agent again? Well, then we were free agents. We were not free agents in the first flight back because Buffalo protected me. And yep. But then we, we'd we be working with Don Basley. Oh, yeah. Good. Great guy. Unfortunately, he passed away yep. uh, with cancer, but six or eight years ago now, but he was an amazing hockey, or he was like a lawyer. Yeah. And started helping a lot of uh, Swedish and Finnish players. What a real he, gentleman, too. He's What a great guy he was, yeah. Oh, yeah. He had uh, Joe Sackick and yep. Theo Fleury and... Uh, yeah. He had a lot of top guys. Matt Sundin, I think, too, right? Or no, Matt wasn't, no. He didn't have Matt, no. But you were in that... Yeah, I was an agent for 22 years, so I got to know Don very well. He's a really well-respected guy in a business that is kind of, kind of some shady characters, but he was way up above it. He's uh, just he was very successful, really carried himself like a real gentleman. I just had a ton of respect for him. So, so he he traveled around, yeah, our last year, when we realized that Bobby had didn't have it anymore. Oh, like he was like at 39, like. His game is not like Gordy Howe. Yeah. Like Bobby's uh, s- speed and and yeah. up-tempo and Gordy's down-tempo. Sure. Controlling yep. the game yeah, yeah. in a way. When I played against Gordy when he was 52. Oh, is that right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I was I was, I was was happy he retired before I got there because I've heard all the stories about how nasty he was. And I was like... About his elbows. Oh, yeah. So we really wanted to... Because we had one twice in winter yep. sure and uh, so we said now we, we want to really give it a chance in the NHL 
And it came down to three teams. It was Philadelphia Flyers. Cool. It was the uh, Chicago Blackhawks and the New York Rangers. Oh. And at the time, uh, Fergie, John Ferguson was the general manager of the New York Rangers. So, but we had signed after our first uh, contract in Winnipeg. We signed a five-year deal with Winnipeg. Oh. But we had an up, uh, a clause that we could leave Winnipeg after a total of four years there. And, uh, but Winnipeg wanted to have a clause in the contract that they could match whatever offer. Oh, nice. We did a lot. And then we had to stay. We had to stay two right. more years right. in, um, in Winnipeg. Right. So, so Don uh, went around to, and these three teams were really keen on getting us. Right. And uh, I think Flyers had a good team in, with uh, Clarkie and, yeah. and his bullies uh, in the, oh, yeah. those yeah. days. But they had a, a lawyer that was also working for, for the league. Gil Stein. Oh yeah, I remember Gil Stein. Sure. It, yeah, and he came up with with the with the solution to the matching clause right. that Winnipeg had. Why don't the guys sign two contracts? One that is really high that we show Winnipeg. Uh, uh, oh no, a contract that is much lower that we were going to play for. And both Addis and I well, have done. <laughs> told us that story. I said, yeah. I don't want to play for that club. Did you decide to be a package deal when you left Winnipeg? We were not a package deal when we went to Winnipeg. But after the first uh, year, when we signed the five-year contract, we were a package deal from from then on. But it, And then Chicago, because it was, it was like bidding between Chicago and uh, New York. And I think it was Bob Bob. Pulford, yeah, Bob Pulford, general manager of yeah. Chicago Blackhawk in those sure. days, yeah, and he had promised to call Don. Yeah, I don't know the date, but uh, a, a day, and he didn't call him. So, um, because he was talking to the words, the owners of Chicago, right, and and Don called him in the morning, ten o'clock or eleven o'clock or something like that, and. Asked him, well, how did it go when you talked to their brothers about uh, upping their offer? Well, no, they, they, they're not going to go for that much money. Mm -hmm. so, so then Don did hang up with Paul Ford. Then he called Bill Jennings, that was the president. Uh, of the Rangers? Oh, okay. The Rangers at the time. And he said, that, well, Bill, uh, the boys are ready to sign with the New York Rangers now because Chicago is uh, pulled out. I already know, said Bill Jennings. Yeah. That, that is collusion and racketeering. But they're not supposed to talk about these things between the clubs. Well, but, but I, I don't know if, I know Paul from, I, I, when I had Brian Berard as a client, he did the yeah. same thing. Uh, Brian was with the Boston Bruins. We went to arbitration. And then they pulled out of the arbitration uh, uh, decision. So that made him a free agent. But Pulford, before he signed him, wanted to uh, call the boss and just kind of give him a heads up what they were doing. 
So I don't know if it's totally collusion, though, is it? Because you guys really weren't property of any team in the National Hockey League at that time. No, no, we weren't. Uh, but either way. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. But anyway, so we had then agreed to play for $475,000 per year right. for two years. So that was a big, big, big sure. yeah, yeah. over what everybody else was. Oh, doing. so that's what, 1978? Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of money back then. Yeah. My, my first year salary in 80, 81 was $60,000. So that's a yeah. lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so Sonny Werblin had met, met us. Um, uh, you remember Sonny Werblin? Oh, yep. Yep. Good guy. Yeah. yeah. He ran Gulf of Washington, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, he said to Ferguson, are these really good players? Because we went down to have dinner with the, him and Jack Crumpy. That, at we 200. Yeah. Because we had played Hartford the night before. And so the Rangers were going to play. And in those days, it was like 10, 12,000 at the game. Right. So they didn't fill. And but really, Madison Square Garden was not filled? The, the year before. Yeah. Wow. Uh -huh. So, 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 so Sonny Werblin then found out about this clause. Right. Yeah. That Winnipeg could match. So if they are good players, like you said, to forget for, that, we'll up the, the offer. All the elite. 100,000 a year. Oh, nice. I was thinking that was going to happen, yeah. yeah. From 475. We didn't wow. think that the, that clause was going to do that. But uh, Werblin, he was signing Joe Namath to the yeah. Jets. Yeah. So he said, I, I need some players right. like that, that the, uh, the journalists and the newspapers. Sure in New York will write about and make the interest. And from then on, it's been a sellout in the yep. Madison Square, more or less. Right. Oh, were you guys the highest paid hockey players at the time? Yeah, we were. Well, didn't Derek Sanders sign for a million dollars a year? That's WHA. Right, but hockey players, right? Well, still NHL players, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Bobby signed uh, for $1 million. That's, that's right. When, in 72. Uh -huh. But then his salary was two hundred fifty thousand for five years. Oh, okay. And in those days, I think Phil Esposito was the highest that he was on the team when we came. Right. And 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 Phil, he was asked by a lot of German, "What do you think about these sweet stuff coming in and making six hundred thousand a year?" He was, I don't care. He said, "Now I know what I'm going to ask for next time." Yeah, that's Phil. I was going to say, that that sounds like Phil right there. Yeah. yeah. And remember, back in those days, there was no real salary disclosure. Like, now everybody is no, all, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't until, like, 1992, I think it was, before they had the salary disclosure. But that was Eagles. He didn't, yeah. like, totally. he was, he wanted, and and the owners in those days, they didn't want the salary exactly. closer, so... Yeah, that was one of the that was one of the biggest reasons salaries took off because everybody else knew whatever else to make. I think Dave Taylor was making more money than Wayne Gretzky at the time when it first came out. So yeah. Wayne obviously said, "That's not that's not cut this." So yeah, yeah. So that was a great first year though, 70, 78, 79. You want to talk us through that one a little bit? Yeah, well, it was it was probably my best year, and before I broke my ankle in February of seventy nine, and that chant is still going on. Oh, yeah. A lot of people don't know that's where it all started with you, breaking your ankle. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. right. But didn't you say that, that he actually, you caught a rut and it wasn't him? Yeah. Like, in those days, they, they didn't know how to make ice in the mask yeah. where I got it. Every other night or 
in the afternoon they were playing basketball because I I had I think I had sixty nine points after fifty games or something like that. Was that the year they went to the finals? Yeah, was right. Yeah, so I played the first two games up in Montreal, but when you break your ankle, the the bone was probably healed, but all the ligaments and yeah. tendons were so sore and things. I so saw I couldn't really. Yeah. So you missed from the time you got hurt until the playoffs against Montreal, and you played. Yeah. You tried to play. Yeah, I skated a little bit, like lightly before, but I didn't play uh, against the Islanders in the semifinal. Oh, that was JD when he stood on his head. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So my five years in New York, well, and like I, I was more or less down because my hip was starting to hurt, my knees were bad, and things like that. So it was a really uphill battle to really play good in New York. Yeah, so, but my five years there, we lost to Montreal in the Stanley Cup final the first year. And then we lost to the Islanders in the playoffs every year. You, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Last couple of uh, seasons yeah. there. Well, that 80-81 season was my first, and we really were on a roll there. We beat L.A., that big brawl, yeah. and St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. But the Islanders were the Islanders, yeah. Rolf, how do you feel that that champ has endured for 40 years and you're you're at the center of that? Well, I think I've always been saying that the Ranger fans are so jealous that Potvin has four cups and we have maybe one. Yeah. Well, we didn't win until 94, I guess. Right. So I think that was what created it, that they were so pissed off at Potvin. Yeah. Part of it, yeah, he's such a he's such a great player too. Oh, yeah. So you're so eighty eighty one. Freddie Shiro gets fired, and then Herb Brooks comes in the following season. You're so you're still there when Herbie came in, correct? Yeah, right. Yeah. Good. How'd you get along with Herb? Very well, very yeah. well. Yeah, I can see you, you. He's your kind of guy, right? You're his kind of guy. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. But it, it was like I only played, what was it, hundred seventy games in five years? Oh, because uh, I I was Anderson. I more or less. Before the year before you came, we missed the whole year. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. So, oh. Well, played a few games and things like that. But it's 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 kind of I I well thing to feel good about is that I have 169 points in 170 yeah. games. Yeah, that's pretty good. There there aren't too many guys that that have one yeah. point. Right. No, I don't think Tom has 169 points <laughs> career. That's true. Yeah, but he was a defense. Did they? Did they? Do you have like a brutal introduction to the NHL, or was but at the time was it had it come down for the Swedish players? Yeah, like yeah, it had come down. I think Mario Marwan. Yeah, sure, yeah. And he was with the the Rangers when we came seventy eight, seventy nine, and we played a couple of exhibition games in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And he said, the way Anderson and I played against Philly, yeah. because we were not scared of those guys yeah, yeah. at all. Yeah. And he said, that's when you earn the respect. Yeah, from that's true. From the teammates in New York. So yeah. it was it was not bad yeah. at all. Because it, it's like, it depends on how you are as a person. But yeah. I, I lost all the fear when I got hit in the, in the beginning of a game. Sure. Yeah. I got so 
Yeah, you just you just get it. Yeah, you just get it through your head. Listen, I'm not going to fight these guys, but I'm not going to stop playing my game. And then but at that point, they can't do anything to you because you just won't fight. Yeah. Yeah. So so at the start of my second year, eighty one, eighty two, that's her Brooks' first year. We're going over to Finland for training camp. Finland then well, Finland for training camp. We're also stopping in Stockholm to play some games too. And uh, your old buddy shows up again, Bobby Hull, to go to oh, yeah. camp. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was, I guess, then I, it was Anderson and I were her. Oh, were you? Oh, okay. But you still went over to training camp though, right? Yeah. 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 Did. Yeah. 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 Because we had a little, couple little parties I remember we had. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Bobby Hull was a legendary guy. So I, so as a kid, my father growing up right outside of Toronto, yeah. somehow got me into Maple Leaf Gardens the day of a game, morning skate. And Chicago was there. Bobby Hull came out. And stood there and talked to me for like 10 minutes when I was a little kid. And I just could not believe it. It was incredible. So here I am now. He fast forward to 81, 82. He's now coming to training camp. We go to lunch in Rye. Uh, we were at some, I can't remember what it was. We're all sitting around for lunch. I sat there for about three hours and listened to Bobby Holt tell stories. And I was just like, it was incredible. It was, it was a little yeah. personal highlights. Like, I can't yeah. believe I'm sitting here with Bobby Holt. You were probably sitting there as well, but it was blast. But, but, but then you can imagine what it was like for me and Ender sure. to come over when he was still. Yeah. Really a great yeah. player. Yeah. And a great personality too, right? It wasn't yeah. like he's such a fiery guy the personality is. Yeah. yeah. How what year did you retire then? Was it next year, eighty two, eighty three? Yeah. Okay. In the middle of the season I gotcha. realized that see I could hardly lace up my skates. Right. That was remember because Phil retired uh middle of the eighty one season. Walt Kachuk got hurt and had to retire yeah. I think that season as well that you retired. So those all sent him I remember I was doing an interview with Mike Allison. You know Mike Allison that he was yeah. I mean, he got kind of thrown into it because all these centermen are retiring. He was a young centerman coming up. So yeah. So did you stay around New York after a while after the game? I stayed until 1999. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, oh. lived up in Scarsdale, and no. I was working for a Swedish beverage company. Sonny Werby wanted me to stay with the with the Rangers, but I don't know why. I I was so tired. I was so beaten up, so I like I I, I didn't have the passion for the game. Now, yeah. yeah, you do get to that point later on in your career where you're getting hurt all the time, and I went through the same thing. Yeah. It's like, it's like what is going on? Especially when you're younger and you don't get hurt, or you can play through yeah. injuries, and now all of a sudden you can't can't do the same thing. It's frustrating because you don't know really what's happening at the time either, right? It's yeah. frustrating because I I knew what it takes to be a success in the yeah. league, and it's like yeah. it's very hard work, and it's. Yeah. It, and you've got to be brutal to yourself. More yeah. Yeah, you really do. Yeah, it's kind of like, you're kind of selfish in a way, like in a good way that you have to be so focused on your career that everything else kind of gets pushed to the side. Yeah. So my last job uh, before I moved back to Sweden, well, I got divorced in 1996, and but I had a really good job. Just, just one divorce, Alfie? Yeah. yeah. So you get, you get to pick up your game, man. Sure. Yeah, really? What do you think? I've got two of them. You're leading me. Yeah, finally leading at something. Go for it. You couldn't get another one in there. But I felt they're so expensive. Oh yes, they are. Yeah, that's where. Like, see, here's the good thing though. Everybody says, "Okay, are you mad that all these guys now make all this money?" And I go, "No, because my ex-wife would have got it all anyways. I would end up like a quarter of it." So, but anyway, so I was working for a Swedish consulting firm. Oh, and that really saved me in in those days. Like, you but, know, I've because you know how expensive it is. Oh, now to live in New York. Yeah. You see it. Yeah. How many grandkids do you have? Five. Oh, wow. Good job. Good. My How old are they? Has a, my daughter has a 25-year-old boy. Oh, wow. Studying and going to school and working a little bit. And his father is Jewish, so he's in Tel Aviv. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And then Daniel, that unfortunately passed away 
uh, 16, had three kids. Man. And the oldest one was born on my 60th birthday. Oh, is that right? Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then my, Michael, my oldest son, you know, he, he, um, his son turned uh, two okay. uh, in December 1st when I was over. So that was kind of fun. So all the grandkids and everything over here, North yeah. America, oh, I guess the other one is in Tel Aviv. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was up and I drove up to Schenectady and stayed with Michael in Norwalk, Connecticut. Nice. Didn't yeah. call me. I didn't get a phone call or anything like that way. No. I could have called call Connect. The coach? You know, that guy's... No. No. Yeah. I had it. I had it. Yeah. So it, not just physically, but mentally, you had it after the game. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Are you following anybody these days? Any teams? Well, when I come over, I usually go to a Ranger game. Down, but I... Uh, NHL has such a great website now. Yeah. Then you go in there, you see all the highlights and everything like that. And usually I just follow the Swedish kids more, more than Winnipeg and the Rangers. Like, What do you think of the game now where it's changed? <clears throat> I think uh, the players are so much better trained than we were. Yeah. yeah. And the equipment are almost dangerous now. They... The shoulder pad, it's like real weapons. Like yeah, so and and this two line pass that they're allowed now. So the speed of the game is almost too fast. It's becoming like uh, in the days when we were playing college games. They said, well, they always rush and it's up tempo all the time and things yeah. like that. And that's the way it is today. But there are some amazing talent. Oh, I know. Some of these kids are so talented, right? You watch Connor McDavid skate, and sometimes he doesn't move his feet, and he's still going fast now. Yeah, it is amazing. Did you train quite a bit, Alfie, during the summer? Yeah. 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 Okay. I think that's what made us successful in Winnipeg, that we right. were always in much better shape down in the North American players. Yeah, because back then, in the old days, it was the guys who show up to training camp fat and out of shape, have that yeah. long training camp, work themselves into shape now. Yeah, but I see now the Swedish guys that are playing in the NHL, right. they have their own uh, personal trainer. Yeah. yeah. And they work out five, six guys here in Stockholm. And I see them uh, close by where I live in a park where they do a lot of exercises out, uh, uh, outside and things like that. So they work really hard. Yeah. yeah. And they get their, their own dietitians and everything too, so eat healthy and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, Wolfie, you look back at your career, I mean, you've done a lot, right? Coming from Sweden, going to Winnipeg at the WHA. That was wild days in the WHA back then as far as fighting and everything. You fight yourself through that. Come to New York, you know, go through, you know, the now you're Dennis Potvin, all that stuff that goes on. Any regrets in your career at all? Not at all. Not at all. It was like a, it was a fairy tale, I think. Yeah. Like cool. when, you, when you're 13, lose your father. And yeah. my mom was housewife at the time. Then you're happy that you grow up in a society like Sweden where you have a little bit of a safety net. Right. So, like, I mean, hockey is giving me so much. It's, right. uh, yeah. Now it's, it's, well, I wish I had done certain things a little differently, but yeah. the way my life is right now, because 1998, I had a blind date with a girl, another Swedish girl. Right. And on a golf course. And she's four handicap, so I had to, she had to give me a, a few strokes and so. But 
since then we've been a couple and oh, the first nice. year we, we commuted commuted between New York and Stockholm. Oh. I, I flew back every other week to nice. Stockholm and she flew back every other well, week to New York. She, so she's from New York? No, she's from Stockholm. Oh, okay. I see. Okay. So I lived in, lived in gotcha. this was 98. Yep. Gotcha. And, and uh, then I asked my kids if they were going to be upset if I moved back to Sweden, but they were pretty grown up. And right. Right. So uh, actually Daniel, uh, my youngest son, he went back with me to Sweden. Very good. Nice. But he was uh, in Sweden for two years before he then went back to go to school at the, in Florida. So what's next, Rolf? Did you get remarried then? Yeah. Oh, you we, did. Congratulations. We got remarried in 1999. Wow. Okay. So my first marriage lasted 22 years. Right. Now I'm on 23 with my second wife. Oh, my God. Closing in. Yeah. Has your uh, golf game improved? Yeah, no. That's still what, try, that's what I'm trying to get better if I get new shoulders. That's right. So, okay, I don't want to make fun of you, but you're going to be the bionic man. You've had two new knees, yeah. right? You've got a uh, new hip, and now you're yeah. coming back to New York to get two new shoulders done. Yeah. Oh. No, I'll do them. Oh, you get that in Sweden? Okay. Insurance in the state. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Sure. So what's next after that? The brain? You're going to get that replaced? Or? Well, uh, no, well, that's still working pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I know. You're a smart <laughs> man. I, I was always impressed by you. You're an intelligent, like I said before, you're that intelligent, classy guy. Yeah. Hanging around with a bunch of muttheads. <laughs> but it was great when Anderson and I came the first year uh, with Duge and Grant yeah. and those guys. Yeah. It was Studio 54. That's right. And yeah. I saw all these stories with who who were the girls that they saw yeah. before. And then Murdoch came back after That's right. out the uh, 40 games or something like that. That's right. He's really cleaned his life up now. That's Tom Murdoch. I spoke yeah. to him uh, well, part about a year ago and he's uh, really doing well. Clean himself up totally. Yeah. But more importantly, can, you, Canada? Yeah. can you give us some Studio 54 stories? I know one he, good one. You were no, but it was like um, a lot of times uh, it was like, what's his name? Uh, uh, well, Leroy Neiman came a lot of, and the Warhol was uh, yeah. a lot of our games yeah. with the Richard Weissman that was uh, the snowman in New York. That's right. Uh, I, and I guess Doogie was telling me the the, the garden, like Sonny Werblin, really wanted him on page six, like you talked before, like with Joe Namath. They wanted him in Studio 54. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you see Gresh a lot now? Gresh lives right in the same condominium complex as I do. But we, we're, he's really, uh, health-wise, he's just he's had a hard time getting around now. He's got a bad hip. He had yeah. open-heart surgery uh, just over a year ago, I guess. Yeah. So he's had a little bit of a tough stretch. He'd had a heart attack about six or seven years prior to that. But yeah, he's he's still going. He's uh, goes to a lot of games. Uh, you know, he's in the Delta Club there all the time. He's kind of the mayor of the Delta Club. Yeah, uh, yeah. he's doing well. He, ne so, he uh, never gets out of the Delta. Club. Oh no, that's true. Yeah, he, he doesn't, doesn't need a seat. I know. <laughs> and that's kind of like everybody knows they all want to go to the Delta Club and here with Grash have a couple cocktails. Yeah. Uh, how's Anders doing? I heard his health was not that good. He came down with them um, kind of a leukemia. Oh, that is. Uh, treatable but he has to have uh, medicine for the rest of his life I think. oh okay so he's he, still scouting he, he was scouting right yeah but he's not involved in hockey anymore okay the, wow. and you heard what happened to birds me yes i saw that and it was so, yeah because he just like the week before had been in toronto i know he couldn't speak at that point but it seemed like his health was at least 
you know, it was sustainable. Yeah. So, well, I, what was he like as a person? I never really got to know him at all. Oh, you guys pretty close? Yeah, nice guy. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah. Like a low key, if you mean, like he right. didn't speak up in the dressing room or anything right. like that. But he, he just, he's he spoke on the ice. With his, you know, pretty much. I, I think I can't think of a Swede that I can say not say this about the Swedes. All the Swedes that I knew, include yourself, were all total gentlemen, great team players, like Jan Eriksson, Thomas Sandstrom, those kind of guys. Yeah. Oh, you played with them. Yeah, Jan Eriksson was quite a great guy. He was man, what a yeah. really good defensive forward, like a real yeah. team player. Thomas Sandstrom, he was the one. I tell you, he had a little fire to him though. He first he couldn't speak English at first, and he was a competitor, and he would compete in practice just as much as he did the game. And we we're like, what is wrong with this guy? Like Glenny Allen, did you play with Glenny? Yeah. So uh, Glenny chased Thomas Sandstrom around practice a couple times one practice. And you know Thomas would Thomas would go in and shoot the score. He didn't care if he was going top corner or bottom corner. <laughs> and, and, yeah. Glenny was already mad at him about something, and he, I'll never forget him chasing around twice at practice. We settled him down the first time, then Thomas came in and fired another one at his head, and Glenny went nuts again. But once we got to know Thomas, have you know him at all? Yeah, I know a little bit. I never played there because I had retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he ended up being a great team player, too. I played with him here and then in L.A. as well. Yeah. And he was, he was really good. Yeah, the Swedes were... Why, why is that? I wonder. Like, it just seems like I, I don't. They think I've ever met a Swede that was not a great team player, a real gentleman. Is there something that's, about the culture? I think that's the Swedish society is a little bit like. Yeah, I think the most important thing is the team for us. Yeah, and everybody wants to do well on the team, but if the team is not winning, no yeah. one is winning. Sort of. Sure. But sure. that in, in North America sometimes. Guys are happy if they score four goals from yeah. off by four. Yeah, that is true. There's some of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, but, definitely. But it's a, that I think that that's the upbringing, really. Sophie, like if you were eight years old, if somebody had told you that you're going to lead the life that you ultimately led, would you believe them? No. Yeah, that's so far. I know. Far, far away. I, I when I was eight, I wanted to make the senior team in my hometown. Right. Right. That that was how far I could see. Yeah, it is funny because I go out and do this motivational speaking now, and I see that people, you know, if you got a dream, you know, you got to follow the dream and everything. And my dream, like from like all of us, I guess, like I was like six years old. I remember writing a letter in school that I was going to play in the National Hockey League, but I couldn't, I couldn't skate at that time. So I'm sure my parents are looking at me like, "There's something wrong with this kid because he can't skate." Oh, oh were you better uh, soccer player or hockey player? Well, some people in Sweden say that I was, but I don't know. I you know, I don't regret that either that I didn't choose soccer. Where could you have gone to soccer? Would you could have played pro yeah, it's obviously the pro leagues, right? You could have played Well, yeah, a lot of the Swedes now are playing in England oh. and Italy and France and uh, right. so But they weren't paying six hundred grand a season though. No. Well, some some are, are making more now than they're... hockey players yeah. really in the NHL. I know this the Norwegian guy in Manchester City. I don't know how much he makes. He right. makes that per week. Yeah. It's funny. I, I think back to Winnipeg and that clause in there where they had the right to match. They think, yeah. didn't they didn't think that through too clearly, right? Because obviously with a team like the Rangers, which also be signed with, they're going to say, listen, yeah. we're going to pay them whatever we have to make sure that they can't match, right? Yeah. But it, I, to be honest, I think Anders and I and Don Basley, we were so surprised yeah. that Sonny Werbin was that smart. Because in in the end, it wasn't very much money to Madison right. Square Garden. Right, totally. 
And that's the thing. Like they've probably made more money because of they're filling the building now and they mark yeah. names all that. Yeah. Yeah. So Rolf, can you just give us one Bobby Hole story before we let you go? Well oh. they're all X rated. You can <laughs> he's a character man. He's funny. Yeah. But we were we were up in we Canada is that a month and a half ago because they had the fiftieth anniversary when WHA started. Oh. And uh, and Bobby is not doing well oh. these days. Oh. He's having a hard time uh, getting around. So we were uh, we were up in Quebec City, the whole line of us, and then we signed a lot of autographs and things like that. And then we went to Winnipeg for two three days, and then we ended up going to Whistler because that's where they had the big event. Nice. And that was Bobby sitting there. For three days with Bobby sitting, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, uh, so it's uh, so it's Phil's last year, so it's, he retired halfway through my first year. So I'm sitting behind in the old Madison Square Garden locker room, I'm sitting, I'm sitting beside Anders, and he's his wife is giving birth, yeah. So he's going to get undressed at the end of this first period and go to the hospital. And Phil Esposito's sitting across now. Now, Phil is old school, right? Yeah, and he now starts yelling at Anders, he's mad at Anders as he's leaving during the game. Yeah. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting there as a young player. I'm thinking, this is unbelievable. Phil's loses his mind on the other side of the locker room. And Andrews, to his credit, he said, no, I have a family guy. You know, and he proven what a great team player he was. So there's no question about that. Yeah. So he was going to leave the you know, first period, get, go to his uh, wife and child, which I thought, you know, I kind of saw both sides. That was right? his first child. Was it his first too? Yeah. Were you in the locker room then? Were you there? I don't remember that. Oh, God. It was one of those things I'll never forget because I can see, I can look at Phil and he's looking at Andrews right beside me. And I'm thinking, this is, this is wild. Like Phil Suzito's losing his mind here. Yeah. Uh, but and I actually saw both sides of it because Phil was that old school guy, probably yeah. saying, oh, what difference is it going to make if I'm there or not? The baby's coming out no more. Yeah. yeah. But and, Andrews is that great family guy. But again, to, to Andrews' credit, he'd also proven what a great team player he was, too. Oh, yeah. So, well, listen, Ophie, like I've said to you many times during the show, and uh, I probably never said it to you enough when we played together, but I really always respected you. Uh, both on and off the ice, you know, you're a real gentleman, classy guy, and had a great career too. So I'm glad it's from your money. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I get divorced again, I might have divorced the money. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, you did though. You you were you I'm know, you're... when you say those things. We were. I'm telling you seriously. I, like I, I think back to myself, what a bunch of muttheads we were, and you were. Here's this gentleman there. So, <laughs> nah. I don't know about that. Yeah, you were. You were. <laughs> Well, it was great to see you again. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, real honor to have you on. You had a fantastic career, great life, still going strong. Thanks, all. All right, brother. I'm good to see you. I'm you every morning. You better be. You better be. <laughs> all right, brother. Thanks, all. Good talking to you. Obviously, I'm the fan here. You're the pro because you tell us all the time. But um, <laughs> Do you know I was on Survivor too? Uh, were you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Can you tell us about how, when you signed the contract or when you got drafted and your dad told you to go back into the barn? Yeah. 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 I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Um, so when I was, I think I, was, I guess I was eight, I, mean, I was in third grade. And I remember they had signed uh, Ulf Nielsen, Andres Hedberg. And I told my teacher, Miss Milestone, I'm Swedish. I didn't know where it was. I had no clue. I did a project on Swedish hut life because they all lived in huts. But it was because of Andres Hedberg and Ulf Nielsen. I, I just wanted to be Swedish, Swedish. in 1979. <laughs> 
So it was cool to, to talk to him and yeah. hear his stories. Yeah, what a great guy. What a great life. I didn't realize all the things, you know, coming over, like playing hockey in, in Sweden, coming over to WHA in Winnipeg, and then making to the Rangers and all the process to get to the Rangers and how much money it was and everything. So, yeah, really interesting story. Great guy. I really uh, I told him at the end of the show, and I think he kind of got embarrassed, but I really respected him a yeah. ton, still do. Plus, he made 600 k when you were making, what, 42000 <laughs> That's pretty. That was amazing that it got that high. What 1978? Wow. But you guys didn't have any clue, right? Or- yeah. Well, I think theirs got public because they wanted it to be public. But everybody else was like, nobody knew what I made. We didn't have salary disclosure at all. So was he buying dinners for you guys, or how'd that work? Uh, he was pretty good with that. Yeah, he was good. Like having us over for tea parties and stuff. Yeah, both him and Anders were great teammates. The Swedes that I, we touched on the show, but the Swedes I played with were all fantastic. Awesome. Awesome episode. All right, grasshoppers, thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time.